Podcast with your host, Nick Jaworski. We bring you the business of recovery because those struggling with addiction need you to be here tomorrow as well as today. Thank you for joining me here on the Recovery Executive Podcast. I'm your host, Nick Jaworski, the CEO of Circle Social Inc. We provide full-service marketing as well as strategic consulting to behavioral health providers in the addiction treatment, psych behavioral, and MAT spaces. Uh, as you guys can hear, I've got an interesting cold going on. Um, I don't feel sick at all, but for the past four days, I've had a very scratchy throat. <laughs> so I appreciate you bearing with me on this one. Today, we are speaking with Michael Mazel. She is the head of alumni engagement for Harmony Foundation in Colorado and has some amazing insights into running an extremely successful alumni program. Before we hear from her, I'd like to hear from our sponsors, Track 9. As all regular listeners of the show are aware, I'm a huge advocate of clinical outcomes tracking, so I'm proud to have my favorite tracking software, Track 9, as a sponsor of this show. Track 9 Informatics is a measurement-based care and data analytics tool for substance use disorder and mental health treatment across the continuum of care. It assesses a combination of pathology and resilience factors scientifically proven to be most critical to client success. Track 9 identifies which clinicians excel at treating various client symptoms so you can match the clinician best suited to the client's specific needs. TrackDine also provides much-needed feedback-informed care loops to help clinicians themselves improve. What's really interesting is that TrackDine learns your facility-specific predictors of treatment success or failure and provides treatment failure risk alerts, which can help lower AMAs by as much as 39%. If you listen to my podcast with owner Jared Dempsey, he talks about how different facilities achieve different results based on internal talent, systems, and the unique characteristics of their patient population. TrackDine displays program performance versus national averages, which you can use to identify improvement opportunities and support payer negotiations. To learn more, visit www.track9.com. That's T-R-A-C and the number 9.com. So as mentioned, Michael is the head of alumni engagement. And as if you do not know her already, uh, many people do, you'll hear that she is one of the most bubbly people I know in the field. And she is very excited about her job and very excited about helping alumni stay connected to care uh, and improving their own recovery. Uh, Harmony Foundation has been extremely successful with their alumni program. They have nearly 50% of their admissions coming from alumni or alumni referrals on a regular basis. And this is something that I see personally very consistently across the space. When you have a really good treatment program that has strong connections to alumni in an ongoing manner, uh, anywhere from 30 to 50% of patients coming into the facility are coming somehow through alumni. And that's obviously extremely significant. One of the challenges that we see in many programs is that they are reliant on other channels for patients coming into the facility and other channels are much more costly than alumni. In terms of just kind of cost and reaching out to alumni, you know, usually you have 
maybe an app in place. You've got one to two staff that are supporting alumni engagement. And then there's obviously other fees for covering events and things like that. Um, but at the end of the day, it's far, far more cost effective to engage with existing alumni. And then not only that, it has a hugely positive impact on their recovery. Um, so I am a big advocate of really building out a strong alumni program, which is why I was really excited to have Michael come on since she's willing to share um, her experience in terms of what metrics they use, what works for them. And she actually built the alumni program from scratch. So she came in, didn't necessarily know anything about building an alumni program, but dedicated obviously a lot of her time and effort to that experience for alumni and has also been very conscious of the metrics that drive success now she actually goes and helps out other treatment programs build their alumni programming. I'm so really excited to have her on. I'm sure you guys will get a lot out of the information that she's sharing. So with that, let's jump in. Hey, Michael, really appreciate you taking the time to come on. Uh, do you just want to tell us a little bit about yourself and Harmony? I'm like, Nick, it is so good to be here. Thank you so much. <laughs> Um, yes, I was like, of course, I love talking about myself. I'm an alcoholic. <laughs> what do you expect? No, I'm just kidding. Well, not really kidding. So my name is Michael Mazel, and I am the Director of Alumni and Recovery Support Services for the Harmony Foundation in Estes Park. Uh, I am a person in recovery. My sobriety date is December 12th of 2015. Uh, I will say that I am originally born and raised in Colorado. I grew up in Telluride, Colorado. I have a twin sister, identical, except for the fact she never understood why I went to all the drugs and the alcohol. You know, she was normal is what I identify as normal. <laughs> so it's pretty funny how to have an identical twin sister with a very different path. Um, I will also say too, I'm a published author. I'm a fellow podcaster. Uh, people usually call me a, the hurricane of happiness because I just high vibe every day till my head hits the pillow. Uh, lastly, I'll say uh, I am a recovery coach and I am a trainer for CCAR to train people to obtain their peer recovery coach certification. I've been with Harmony for a little over three and a half years now. Awesome. So what I really wanted to, you know, have you on the program is I was talking to Jim at NATAP and he was saying that, you know, just spoke the world of you in terms of the alumni program that you run there at Harmony Foundation and just the success you've had and, you know, really connecting people to care after they've left the program. And so can you tell us a little bit about how you got started with alumni and how you got started in that aspect of Harmony? Yeah, so... I got started in alumni in alumni programming with Harmony a little over three and a half years ago. Again, um, I actually got recruited by a couple staff members when they came out to Telluride uh, to teach a course for counselors and they did an alumni dinner. There's a lot of Harmony alumni that live down in the on the Western Slope. And I was that alumni that when I left Harmony, so I will say that my journey into, sobri into sobriety began at the Harmony Foundation six years ago. I was that alumni that left and was like, I wanna stay connected, but there was no programming. Harmony didn't have any. The only thing they had was the alumni reunion and the alumni picnic every year. And I was just like, but there has to be more. Uh, and I was a dork about it, to be honest, Nick, because I, I had, 
seeing and was witnessing what recovery was doing for me. And I just wanted to come back and be a part of this special place that really helped save my life. And so after I connected with a couple of Harmony staff members that came to Telluride, you know, they asked me, they said, you know, we are really looking to develop an alumni program. You know, would you ever leave Telluride? Would you leave your home? And I internally was like screaming, yes, like, oh my God. And I was like, yep, like write up an offer, let's do this. And so it all worked out, you know, divine timing, you know, the way it all happened. So when I got to Harmony, we were coming into our 50th year of being open, you know, Nick. And so I was like, okay, we're dealing with over 50 years of alumni here. 27,000 humans have walked through these doors. And so I really relied heavily on the staff members because people were excited about the programming. And I relied heavily on treatment professionals for alumni services, which is a uh, group. It is a national organization for alumni programming. And so Jim immediately got me plugged into TPAS. And so I had so much support from other people in the behavioral health field that have been doing alumni programming for a while. And they helped me spearhead the program. And it has turned and morphed into the most amazing, robust programming. I'm blown away myself, to be perfectly honest. And I get so passionate about it, Nick. Like I just live and breathe recovery and being able to do alumni programming where I get to see people on the other side of treatment that actually want it, like really want to stay sober. I'm like, that, like that is where the game changes. And that's kind of how it all started. I love that passion. I love it. I mean, you can just hear it in your voice. And I was talking to you, you know, just a little bit ago before we jumped on the interview here about you know, just some of the amazing stuff that you have on LinkedIn too. And you just passion shines through. So uh, I'm, I mean, I appreciate that, you know, anyone in the field that's doing good work and I sure, I'm sure the alumni do as well with um, you, know, the alumni you have, and then kind of the way that harmony works, it sounds like about like almost 50% of patients that end up coming to Harmony these days are actually coming through that alumni network in some way, shape or form. Is that about right in terms of what you're seeing? Oh yeah. I'm like, I'm like hundred percent. You know, we have, we have maintained consistently, even like before I got there, we were right at about 43% for all of our admissions that were coming through the door were alumni referrals. Since I've been at Harmony, we've maintained a base 45%. One year we got up to 47%, but you know, almost half they come from Harmony alumni referrals. That's a huge number. I think it speaks to two things, right? It speaks to the quality of care they're receiving, because obviously you're not going to refer if you weren't happy with the program. Um, but it also really speaks to just staying connected and the positive memories that people have and the positive ongoing experiences that they have. Because we see that really consistently, you know, with other providers across the country when they lack that alumni component. Um, they just have such a small, you know, rate of connection to previous patients and it has a pretty big impact on their ability to connect with more people in the community. So I, I think there's a huge value in not just for existing patients, right? Because you're keeping them connected to care. And we know the longer that they're connected to care, the better they're going to do in their own recovery. But it also allows you to connect with more people who are in need. So I think that's super important. Yeah, 100%. 
So when you were building this, you know, you had a, a bunch of support from TPASS, but obviously you've learned a ton on your own now at this point too. I mean, what do you consider to be the features of a good alumni programming, you know, especially going beyond a, a yearly picnic and whatnot? whatnot? <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, this is where it gets good. Okay. <laughs> so I'm like features of a, I'm like features of a really good alumni program. The first, like the first and foremost is staff engagement and understanding and trust for what I'm doing. Um, I knew that I would not be successful in my role if I did not have buy-in from the organization. And that starts even with the housekeepers, the cooks, the clinicians, leadership, executive leadership, the maintenance staff. I literally, I will, I like to call it campaigning for friends when I first started out. Um, I made sure to meet with everybody on campus and talk to talk to them about alumni programming and why it's important and what I wanted to do, but not only what I wanted to do, but what did they want to see happen? Because this is a team effort. Yeah, I might be spearheading it, but I want everybody to get excited about alumni and being able to see these humans survive and to know that the work we do on campus when we're in the ick every day that that work matters and so to have the entire organization buy-in that's where it starts because i need support at all times not just for like a picnic but to bring them back to campus i want support when we have the reunion for staff to show up to be able to see the transformation so I spent a lot of time in the beginning and still to this day, because obviously, yes, we do get staff turnover. I spend a lot of time cultivating relationships with our organization so they know me, they don't forget me, and they know how important alumni programming is. The next thing I'm going to say about another great feature is consistency that can make or break in my eyes a good program and even just being around other programs through TPAS. I'll say it's about making sure whatever I'm setting up, there's consistency so that people have something to look forward to and being okay with pushing through times where maybe programming isn't as great or maybe only five people showed up to that one meeting, but it's like, hey, you have to start somewhere. And so you have to be able to make sure that you give yourself time. A phrase I like to say with the consistency part is that good things grow, but they have to start somewhere, you know? So I, I make sure to say along with the consistency part that it's okay to fail forward. And I love that phrase because when we're consistent and some things might be a flop or you know, nobody shows up or 20 people show up, you're always learning something, you know, and that's a big deal to not beat ourselves up about it, but it takes time. The next thing I'll say is diversity. When it comes to alumni programming, you know, Harmony Foundation, we are a 12-step based program, yet we do support all pathways to recovery I was a big, I was a big proponent to create programming that had a lot of diversity. So it wasn't just talking about 12 steps, but it was like recovery is so much more than just meetings. You know, it's about hobbies. It's about education. It's about 
finding those voids? Like, what are you going to fill in those voids that we used to fill with using and like using and boozing essentially? So I made sure to create programming that was not just, you know, let's go to meetings. It was, you know, making sure we brought uh, other authorities in the field and to talk about, you know, like parenting and recovery, to be able to have like knitting workshops, art workshops, alumni ski day, camping trips, because I wanted to make sure that alumni knew, hey, like we don't just pertain to a certain person's demographic, we pertain to everybody. Uh, and I also found diversity through surveying our alumni. When I first started the programming and to this day, I survey our alumni twice a year to ask, hey, is the programming that I am creating serving you? What else would you like to see? What would you like me to get rid of? Because this isn't about me. It's about these alumni. And I want to create things that they're going to show up to. I don't want to throw spaghetti at the wall and hope it sticks. Like that, and like, I'm like, that sucks. <laughs> We're just going to say it. So when I, when we talk about diversity, that leads into my last point about, a, you know, um, a good, a, a, a healthy feature is engagement. You know, like I have to have diversity so that I can get engagement from alumni programming, because that's what it's all about. That's what senior leadership and executive leadership want to see. They want to know, hey, if I'm going to allocate X amount of funds to Michael Mazel, I want to know that people are showing up. And if people are showing up, you know, what is happening is as a result of these alumni staying engaged, are they referring, you know, are they staying sober? Are they being, you know, active participants in their society advocating for recovery? There's so many different levels of engagement that really can spearhead alumni programming that then comes back to ROIs for uh, the Harmony Foundation as a whole. So again, like it's that consistency, diversity and engagement, and then again, cultivating the, the relationships and buy-in from your organization. So let's start with the um, engagement from the staff. And I have not heard that before in terms of engaging all the staff, right? It's very common or it's becoming more common, I should say, be more accurate. The programs are involving alumni or new patients into the alumni program from day one, right? There's some kind of introduction, they're connecting with the alumni coordinator, but I haven't heard about engaging all the staff. And I'm really curious to see you know, what results you've seen come from that engagement. Are you asking them to also kind of promote the alumni program? Is it more just about helping them understand what's happening? How do you really see that whole staff engagement come into the play as far as the alumni program goes? Oh my gosh. I'm like, it's everything, Nick. I'm like, it is like, it is the whole shebang. So <laughs> I get so, I get so jazzed about this. Okay. Let's be real. I get jazzed about all, all things alumni, <laughs> but you know, from a staff engagement, the first things first is, is the education piece. I make sure all, all of the staff, like sending out an all email. And then when I'm on campus connecting with all of them to say, Hey, did you get the email that I sent out to you about, you know, the alumni programming that's happening this week with the art workshop, you know, with the foundation to recovery meeting? I want to make sure that everybody knows what is happening because everybody on campus, like I said, even the housekeepers, the maintenance staff, people that you wouldn't think about, they have conversations with residential clients when they're walking, when they're walking down the pathway between buildings. If a maintenance person is doing maintenance in their cabin or in 
the lodge or the swickard where the female and male clients reside, the kitchen staff, when the clients are going through the line to get their all of their meals, I want them to be able to know about what is happening. So when they're building relationships with these clients, they can be like, hey, Michael, you know, I want to make sure like to mention the alumni program because I know you're discharging in a week. Don't forget to find out what to do when you leave. You know, it's just that it's just those those planting of those seeds is what I like to call it, Nick. I like it when the staff knows because then they have a way to connect to say, hey, you know, like there's programming when you leave here, especially a lot of clients, they start to get sad when they leave. And I want them to hear from all staff, you know, yeah, you know, you're going to be sad and it's going to be a, a tough transition, but guess what? You're still supported. And so there's that piece of the engagement. The second piece is with our hub app that we have through cared for our alumni. I mean, like I said, they post all the time. And what I do every single week is I will screenshot different posts that alumni post. And I always message them and ask their permission first to say, Hey, I really loved this post of you and your son. Do you mind if I share it in my weekly hub email? And they usually I've never gotten a no. So every single Friday morning, the first thing I do is I send out a hub email of over 20 to 25 photos from alumni that are posting in the hub, or even if it's just a word post for our current staff to see and be a part of our alumni's journey so that they're like, oh my gosh, I just talked to Bobby last week. And that's a picture of Bobby and him and his dog. Oh my gosh. You know, it does so much for our staff. You know, and the other part too of the engagement is when the clients, I mean, sorry, the alumni, they come back to campus. Even in COVID, the one thing we don't allow visitors, Nick, but the one thing we do allow is alumni to come back to campus because we have deemed it a critical part of our patient care programming for them to see alumni because it is a major hope component that not on-site staff can really deliver on it's what alumni can deliver on and so alumni come back and then staff get super excited to see these people alive and sober and being of service to the current clients wow so that was actually gonna be my next question was if there was a feedback loop there in terms of sharing successes that the alumni were having with staff and you already answered it that's it's inspiring, right? And I agree with you that it provides a huge amount of motivation and, and connection to the program and what happens to people outside, you know, rather than just a patient that they see for 30 or 60 days, you know, suddenly it's someone whose life that they're following. I had a yeah. question around, um, hmm, well, maybe it's not a question, but maybe you're just your comments on it. You're really interesting around having all the staff involved. And, you know, as I'm thinking of it, it makes sense to me because we'll go into providers and, you know, you'll have a patient that'll ask a question about, well, what, what's, what happens in step down? Like when I go from residential to PHP or PHP to IOP, what happens? Or when I finish my current treatment, what's the aftercare program, the discharge plan look like? And normally the response from the majority of staff is, oh, well, that's something you would need to discuss with, you know, your therapist or your case manager. And the reality is to like trying to set up a extra meeting with your therapist or a meeting with your case managers kind of a pain, right? It's not always super easy. There's a lot of other things that you have to cover. So I, that makes a lot of sense in terms of just the high level of value that could come from, you know, people that are helping out with the cleaning or just a behavioral health tech that 
has that conversation and can relay that information and excitement around it versus, you know, having to schedule something and go talk to somebody and fit it in with all the other items that have to be covered. Um, have you ever gotten feedback from patients related to that and that experience? Yeah, because what we do actually, besides all of the, the, the staff knowing about it, we do run a group, um, myself and, and my staff member, we do a group on alumni that's called Next Step uh, that happens once a week for clients that, and we do it in their second week of programming. And what's awesome about that is usually when they get to us in their second week of programming, they'll walk into our group and they're like, oh, you're the alumni lady that everybody talks about how much you love your job. Or, oh my gosh, you must be Michael because you're like the happy one that talks about what you're going to do with us when we leave. So like people, because they see my passion and they see what can happen, the staff want to talk about it because we have cultivated this culture of like, we got you not only on campus, but when you leave, and it's important for our staff. I mean, I know this sounds like kind of super cheesy, but like it's important for them to, to pump up our clients to be like, hey, there is hope when you leave this campus. And so by the time they get to our group, they most of them already know about us or like me and my, and my staff, or they just know about me, usually because they can hear me down the hall because let's be real, Nick, I don't have an inside <laughs> voice, okay? I talk kind of loud. It's a problem at home. Just kidding. Um, but they already know who I am. And so I made sure to fight for that group, Nick. When I got to campus and started building the programming, I was like, I need to meet with these clients before they leave because I need them to get to know, love, and trust me so that when I'm calling them when they leave, they're not like, who is this Michael chick and why do I want to talk to her? Right. They get to know me the second week they're in treatment. They are introduced to the app. I get them connected. So then when they are hopefully there for another week or two, when I'm on campus, they can come and find me or they can set up a time to be with me in case they have any questions that weren't answered in our alumni group that we do for the clients, um, which is really important. The other important reason I made this group in the second week of treatment, Nick, is because of insurance reasons. A lot of people don't always get to stay a full 30 days. And I want to make sure that, and get usually they can, they get to stay at least 14 days. Sometimes they don't, but at least I know if I am meeting with them in their second week of treatment, I'm not going to miss that many clients, hopefully none. But if I were to have that programming be later on, I would miss a lot of clients because a lot of people, quite honestly, with the way the landscape is now, they don't get that full 30 days. Hmm. So talk to me about the touch points. So you got the second week where there's an alumni meeting where they come into contact with you probably for the first time, it sounds like. What other touch points do you potentially have with them before they leave the initial treatment program? So then I we see them because then I run another group on campus uh, um, every other Saturday, myself or my teammate Tabitha, we are up there doing a recovery skills. So we make sure that we are a part of programming. So not only are we a part of programming with alumni, with our alumni group, but we run what we call on our campus a recovery skills group, which is an educational group. And our group is either we talk about the stages of change or we talk about 12 steps and how to 
find meetings, what a sponsor looks like, how to get connected, just, you know, getting people familiar with that language post-treatment. So we make sure that they see us again in a different light, but then they also just see us when we're walking around campus, when we, when we are bringing alumni back because we have a revisit program once a month. So they see us when we're with those alumni that come back to campus and then those alumni share their experience, strength and hope with the group. So they get to see us not only as educators, but they get to see us in our role as community connectors with bringing community back to campus for them. So they see that we do a lot, uh, but we want to be able to do a lot so that they see, okay, like there's options for me. Okay. And then what about plugging them into these digital tools? So you mentioned that you use cared for as an alumni app. Um, I don't know if you have maybe a Facebook group or something like that. Like when do they get plugged into that app? They get plugged in the second week of treatment. So in our group is when we is when we invite them. So we will blast the hub app up on a big monitor in our, in one of our uh, group rooms, and we walk them through the app. And the coolest part about this, Nick, is when we are walking them through the app to show them how to use it. They will usually see men or women they were in treatment with just a few days ago already posting on the hub they'll be like look nikki posted or look i didn't know that jan had a kid and they were just in treatment having that experience so when they see that their friends that left a little bit before them are already connected and doing the thing they're like okay i gotta do this too and that is like the coolest part so that before they even leave campus they are connected to the app so when they get their phones back from detox where they're locked up and they turn their phone on, they are seated into community immediately. Interesting. And then are you doing anything in terms of the engagement component? So you met, you mentioned that you are, you know, seeing messages. And I would assume you're also responding to those messages. Oh, yes. So and that's cool, too. So that we actually ask our alumni. Um, so with the Care For app, Alumni cannot private message each other. We want to be clean and safe. They can only private message myself and Tabitha. And so we actually tell the alumni, we prefer that they message on the app instead of calling us or emailing us because emails sometimes get lost in spam, calling, they're playing phone tag. We're on the app every day for, for literally several hours because we're answering questions. Tabitha and I both will usually get anywhere from 15 to maybe upwards of 30 private messages per day oh wow and it's and it's simple messages Literally, it'll be like hey do you know of a great women's meeting in the denver area hey my roommate is still drinking do you have any suggestions for me or any resources that i can that i can reach out to um and we give them those we really stress to our alumni no question is a stupid question the only stupid question there is, is the one you don't ask us. And here's the thing, if we don't have an answer, because we're so connected to community in Colorado and nationally through treatment professionals and alumni services, AKA TPAC, if we don't have an answer, we have friends that have answers and we will get them an answer within that day, usually. It's usually never been more than 24 hours. And so they know, that they can rely on us to make sure that we get them connected to the right resources. I think a lot of treatment centers really struggle with initial engagement on apps like that. 
Um, when you came in, were the, was there already engagement on the app or did you have to build it? And if so, like what actions were you taking that helped build engagement? Yeah. So in the beginning, we did not have as much engagement and that, and so, but it, you know, there were some growing pains, Nick. And the reason we didn't have as much engagement, I will probably say in the first five months, six months, you know, is because I didn't bring it in to the clients before they left treatment. It was in an email or it was on a sheet of paper to, hey, join the hub. I didn't, I didn't really understand the importance of bringing it to campus until one day as it just kind of clicked. I was like, this needs to be done while they're in treatment. And so for them to see it while they're in treatment, that was a big thing. The other thing that has really boosted our engagement that we didn't do in the first five months either was contingency management, AKA the prize wheel. So Tabitha and I have prizes that are on the hub, not just virtual, but also physical prizes that we like to reward our alumni for engagement. The reason we love contingency management is because it's an ethical incentivizing way to be able to tell our alumni to get uncomfortable, to post, to comment publicly on your fellow alumni's post. And when you are doing that, when our alum, when we, when they are showing up on the app and when they are commenting, they are being of service, Nick. And service is a major pillar in recovery. And so when we come from a place of altruistic being of service, you know, helping other people by simply being there, they get excited. And our prizes that we send out is usually Harmony Swag. It's really cost effective. It's, you know, it'll be hats from our store or beanies. Sometimes it's personal development books. It'll be like cool little like meditation things to use, little stress balls. It's nothing to write home about, you know, but it's the simple act that they have something to look forward to getting in the mail. You know, even if it is just like a dollar squish ball, it's the simple act of like, hey, I'm getting rewarded and, and we are appreciating them showing up every day. So are you giving them swag or prizes for just initial posts or like anytime they post or how does that end up working out? So they, it is based on engagement, like it's based on engagement. So they have to, and it's, it's based on a point system. So they have to show up and they have to post and comment every single day. And then every third day, so if they post and comment every day, their points add up so that every third day they can spin what we call obviously the virtual prize wheel. And then it'll, and then, and then, um, cared for has a cadence that they uh, that they set up to be able to have it so that not everybody will always get a physical prize or not every time everybody gets a virtual prize it rotates so I don't totally understand those workings but I do know that it works because everybody is you know there it's a nice consistency of a nice mix I'll say of virtual prizes like stickers like you're doing great award like nice hustle award versus, you know, a, a squishy stress ball. <laughs> Got it. Okay. And then, so is everything on the app Do you guys use like Facebook groups or any other kind of, um, you know, group meeting space online? No. So we, we did before we had the cared for app, we did just have a Facebook group, uh, which was great. Um, and it was, you know, and it was as protected as it could be on Facebook, you know, invitation only. Um, when we, 
when we got the app, I wrote emails, I posted on the group, hey, we are not going to use this page anymore. If you would like to stay connected, join our hub app. And the phase out went really well. We really didn't have anybody complain. And then we also had a lot, a lot of alumni get super excited because a lot of people weren't on Facebook. And so they were like, oh my God, this is amazing. Thank you for getting off of Facebook. And the Care For app is a safe HIPAA compliant space that is um, for alumni only, just like Facebook was, but it's a safe space that is just for their recovery. And it's also an app where they don't have history attached to it in like a bad way. You know, it's like a clean slate app in their new journey. Okay. That makes sense. And then, so how, how else do you stay in touch with the alumni? So you've got the app, right? Is that where you do primary contact or are you calling? Are you texting as well? It is. So the app is our primary way that we connect. Like we always tell people and even, you know, as I've tried to tried and are still getting older alumni on, we email our older alumni. So it's been cool to see alumni with 12 years, 15 years, you know, seven years are now joining the app because I will continue to email that group that have been so adjusted to email. And I'm continuing to email them to say, hey, if you want to know about events, if you want to know what's going on, get on the Hub app. The other thing that we do is we, uh, my team, we are responsible, Nick, for our alumni's post-discharge follow-up calls. So we have touch points when they leave residential and they become alumni, we contact them 24 to 48 hours post-discharge, six months, I mean, sorry, 24 to 48 hours, 30 days, six months, one year. So we have four touch points with them. So when we're also, when we're on the phone to check in to see, you know, that they're still sober, if they need other resources, we also are, you know, talking with them to say, hey, these are upcoming alumni events. Hey, now that you have six months of sobriety, do you want to share your story on a Saturday night? Do you want to do our revisit program? And we talk about all of this with them when they're in treatment in that next step alumni group that we host when they are in treatment in their second week. Oh, interesting. So you have some kind of pre-scripted or predetermined talking points as well for each, you know, each stage of the, the connection. Yes, we, yeah, because, because at each stage of their recovery journey, more and more doors open for them to be of service. So it's at three months and it's, and they, and again, talk about incentivizing. I tell them before they leave, I'm like, listen, ladies and gents, I need you to leave here and circle your three month date on your calendar, your six month, your year, because at those points in time, opportunities are going to present themselves. And so they get excited. And here's the thing, you know, obviously we need to be internally motivated to stay sober, Nick. But in the beginning, too, a little external motivation isn't bad either when it's an external motivator that's going to help them to be of service and to help others. For sure. What about tracking success in the program? So how do you determine if the program is being successful? Do you have specific metrics that you're looking at? Yes. I'm like, so here's the thing. In the beginning, of course, you know, I always like to track success based on emotion, but that doesn't go over so hot with executive leadership. Like they need numbers. And they, and I was like, okay, let's do numbers. So 
the numbers that I track to determine if our programming is being successful is engagement in programming overall. And so what does that look like? So our platform that we use is Salesforce, Nick. And so every single time an alumni shows up to any event, we track it in Salesforce, like based on the attendance, myself or my team will go in, we'll find that alumni and we'll click that they attended an event and we'll put in what it is so that I can run a report. What I don't usually do it weekly, it's usually monthly to be like, okay, how many alumni engaged in programming and out of those alumni that engaged like what were what was their sobriety uh, like a uh, time was it one month three months six months so i can start to see okay where where is that engagement falling um the other piece is i look at i even focus it down to new alumni engagement six months post discharge so it's not just overall engagement but i really want to see what is happening and so does our team and really our clinical team really enjoys this data too, Nick, to be able to see, okay, our alumni, are they understanding the value of our recovery support services? Are they getting engaged in any of the program before, you know, six months and, you know, sooner? Uh, because that lets me know, okay, obviously sometimes there's people that just don't want to be a treatment or sometimes are we, are they not getting the information? Do we not have their right phone number on file to get a hold of them? Did they not get on the hub? So then I can start to see, okay, what are some of these loopholes that are happening? Uh, the other the other thing that we're looking at is sober alumni. Nick, like that is it, that's a big, that's a big deal to be able to look at how many of our alumni have consistently maintained sobriety, like how long they have. So I run reports because we do all of our, like I said, like our discharge follow-up calls, we can see, okay, what is our percentage? of alumni that are staying sober and then when are they relapsing you know and if and if there's a big percentage sometimes that happens around the holidays or again covid was a big one to be like okay like what can we do differently to support them if this is being a trend so you know even if those numbers aren't great those numbers are my greatest teacher kind of starting with the engagement piece I mean, what do you so what what do you consider a successful engagement number and then also related to what you were just kind of talking about in terms of some of those pieces of missing it, you know, what have you seen work in terms of increasing that number based on your efforts? Yeah, so a healthy engagement number right now for our for our programming overall, like overall engagement, we're looking at 72%. Wow. Because the hub is a part of that. So we have been consistently at 72% for overall engagement, overall uh, for about the last six months. When I'm looking at new alumni engagement, uh, when I really wanted to get that number up right now, that that number for us is, is 30% that I'm trying to achieve. And the reason that number is lower is I have to realize, I've come to realize there's a lot of alumni uh, in the first six months that are going to, an, to another step down, whether it's our IOP, somebody else's IOP, a PHP. So they are still in active programming. So they're not technically a full-blown alumni. And so a lot, sometimes, sometimes we get a, a lot of alumni that don't get engaged till three months, four months, five months post-discharge because of their continuum of care planning. Um, and so to be at around 30% is actually to me a really great number 
just considering all of the factors to consider with those people. Now, like when we talk about getting those numbers up, so, you know, when before I will say like, even in the first six months, when our engagement numbers were low, like I actually, I'm a high achiever, Nick. I was like, Jim, we're going to get to 50%. He's like, good luck, Michael. Okay. You know, that's really great, but that's not realistic. I'm like, it totally is. It wasn't. But what I realized, one of the biggest problems we had and that has really spiked our engagement from being 10%, even just up to 30%, which was a huge increase, was literally having the right phone number on file. I mean, I know it sounds silly, but you know, Nick, when these humans are coming to treatment, they're, they're usually not in the best shape. Let's be real here. And the number they give out like for their profile is usually their a significant others, a family members, or they just don't say it right. It's just a wrong number. And so a part of the, what I have done to be like, okay, we are going to crush this. Like we are going to take care of this ish is in my next step group for the alumni. Cause I call it next step. I say, listen, you have some homework and your homework is when you meet with your counselor or your case manager, you need to make sure that your phone number is correct. Because I want to get a hold of you and I can't get a hold of you or have you participate if we don't have the right number. The moment I started stressing the importance of that and okay, let's be real. I was kind of a Nazi with emails to the treatment team, like make like sending them out reminders in the beginning until they were like, okay, I don't want another email from Michael about making sure their phone number is correct. But sometimes you have to do that in the beginning to make sure that change happens. It's like a big ship, small rudder type deal. And so I made sure to ingrain that in the clients and really ingrain it in the case managers and the treatment team. And it has helped dramatically, Nick. I was like, holy cow. But you don't know what you don't know until you know it. And so that was a big deal for us. Sure. And then specifically around like cared for and the alumni engagement, have you seen or what numbers do you see in terms of the people actually using the app? So in terms of people actually using the app, so right now um, we have a total of nine, a little over 982 users on the app out of that. And that's just people that are on the, the app out of all of those people right now, we have 672 that are logging in every single day. Oh, wow. When did you guys start the app? We started it in September of 2019. Okay. All right. So a couple of years. That's really good engagement. I mean, normal engagement on an app is like maybe 30% and then it starts to drop off after three months. And so that's really, really good engagement. Dude, it's amazing. And so, and, but, but here's why too, Nick, I will say like Tabitha and I, like my team, like we are insane drivers behind the app because we are commenting on their posts. We are so active. And I meet with a lot of treatment, uh, a lot of treatment programs like through TPAS about the app. And I say, listen, it doesn't matter if you have the, 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 the creme de la creme app. If you don't have drivers behind the app that are passionate and are engaged, it doesn't matter what app you have at all. And that's something that I've met with on multiple teams. Like other people have the cared for app but their engagement is, is not great at all. 
And I ask, like, what are you doing for the app? And a lot of people are like, well, nothing. You know, we just have the app. I'm like, you can't just do that. You have to be a driver. Yeah, it's almost like a social network, right? It's a community space online. And if you're not engaging it, and you have to be that driver because it's very unlikely that you're going to have a couple of alumni that take that role and, and drive it forward for you, you know? So if, if you're not doing that, it's it's never going to get kickstarted. Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, kind of going back and, and having that question on metrics and then referrals, you mentioned that, you know, you see a lot of patients coming through the alumni referrals. Is that something that you're tracking? Do you and Tabitha, you know, connect with alumni about referrals? Or is that just something that's tracked through the call center? How does that work out? So it is tracked through our call center and through admissions. They do a really great, I mean, our admissions team, like we have a really great relationship with them. And they do a really great job. You know, one of the first questions they ask when people are calling is they're like, you know, how did you hear about us? Did you hear about us through an alumni? And they're like, yep. You know, most all the time it's like, yep, yep, yep. And they'll usually drop their name or sometimes they, they say that the alum doesn't want to disclose. You know, I will owe it a lot to the reason we have so many alumni referrals, Nick, is obviously, you know, we're in Colorado. We really, our market that we pertain to is Colorado. But, and there's Harmony alumni, you know, I, what I also see that's on our side is our age of being around for over 52 years now. There is Harmony alumni everywhere. And what's the, and I always say the magic sauce to the referral process of why we get people into treatment is our Harmony alumni, they get, well, when you come to treatment, you get this green uh, coffee mug. And so, and, and I stress to the, the, the clients, I say, hey, this is your secret. This is your secret magic wand. When you take this with you to meetings and people see that it says Harmony, you will be surprised at how many people will be like, hey, I went to Harmony or, hey, I know somebody that went there. Hey, like, let's be friends. And so people just know us by like our green mugs and we're everywhere in AA meetings, NA, HA, all the A's, you know, um, we've just really been able to build that community organically. So it sounds like most of the alumni referrals kind of come through the call center where someone's taking the initiative on their own. Do you ever see referrals come through like the cared for app where they're messaging you and saying, Hey, you know, I've got someone that needs some help. Could you guys reach out to them? Yeah. So we, so we have, so we do have a, a specific number to admissions from our cared for app. So every week I, I will ask for a report from admissions to just look to say, Hey, can I just see the call log so I can see how many admissions, if any, came right through the hub. And at first it wasn't, you know, it wasn't too popular just because we were just getting started. But now there's at least a phone call a week. And that's pretty cool in my opinion. It's like, oh my God, like they're no, they know how to use the red button, you know? Sure. And then, you know, you talked also in the metrics about the sobriety and tracking that and seeing how alumni are being successful in their recovery journey. Um, you know, how have you really seen the alumni program contribute to patient success in their recovery? So I see our alumni programming really helping a lot in the first six months. And then again, like there's like this break for whatever reason, you know, they, maybe they think they got it or they don't want to hang out with me anymore. But then it's, but then when they hit a year, a lot of people come back and get even more invested. But in the beginning, in the first six months, you know, like they're trying to just survive. And so we created a very robust program that, that should clients want to stay engaged to the max level, we have something going on 
at least four days a week. So four days a week, they can be with other alumni, whether it's virtually or in person doing things. Um, and then we start to see, well, what's cool about it is like, as soon as those people that have been really heavily engaged in those in that first like three to six months, when they kind of like turn over and usually sometimes they find other community and that's what we want, Nick. I'm like, I want you to go find your community. Then that new crew of three to six months, people come in. So we've really started to create this really beautiful cycle of people staying engaged in that early period. And how do you plan out those events? Because Harmony's it's kind of far out there. It's not it's not in Denver, right, or any big city. It's out there. So are you you know having events in different cities? Are you having a lot of virtual events? Like how do you make it so that everyone has access? I uh, do. This is wicked. So our alumni peer support meetings are uh, always virtual Tuesday and Thursday nights, and we keep them virtual so that people all over can attend like we have alumni in alaska that attend and in idaho so that we keep at least two events actually though that those two then our book club so monday tuesday and thursday those three nights are virtual so everybody can attend if they want to the next thing we do is on saturdays we do like i kind of like to call it like a meeting tour We'll do a meeting in Fort Collins with Tabitha. If you want to go to like a speaker meeting or an NA or an AA to check out a meeting with Tabitha, you hang out with her there. I'm in Denver. So then you can meet up with me in the Denver area on Saturdays. The other thing we do quarterly is we go down to Colorado Springs uh, because we have a lot of alumni down there. We also more so in the summer, um, springtime, summer, fall, we go, we hit up the Western Slope so that we can go and hang out with all of the alumni out on the Western Slope, whether it's just a picnic, usually it's a hike or an outing to get them together. Uh, but we really try to hit all of those areas a couple times a year in person. And then of course have our, have the consistency of the book club and our peer support meetings. So those three touch points for anybody um, every week. Okay, and then what, do, what does attendance look like at the virtual events versus the live events? Um, so virtually speaking for our peer support calls, we average between around 18 to 38 alumni on those calls. Book club is now upwards in like the mid twenties numbers. Um, and again, those people rotate depending on their sobriety. Usually people attend up to like six or nine months and then they kind of rotate out and then they'll come back in person events. COVID obviously put a damper on some things. Uh, but last year for our alumni picnic, we held it in Fort Collins. We were had, we had over 127 people there. And I think people were just honestly Nick so excited to get together for homecoming because we had it on campus. We were down to, we had just about 33 people because we also had to put a vaccination policy in place. So I will say in-person events, it's going to be interesting to see what happens just based on COVIDity and people's comfortability. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we've seen a pretty strong demand for in-person events coming back. You know, it depends obviously on people's comfort level. But I think eventually you'll see a, just a flood of people coming back in. I mean, you just look at like football games and concerts these days, you know, uh, but we see it within the, the centers as well. A lot of patients are saying, well, you know, I don't want to do telehealth anymore. I really want in person. So I think people just get so much more valuable out of face to face, you know, when when it's possible and safe to do so. Oh, totally. You mentioned the contingency management through the cared for app. Do you guys do anything similar for the other attendants, like the virtual or the alumni meetings at all? 
No, but we do do it for in-person events. Like we'll usually do some yard games, like, you know, the standard egg toss, Nick, come on, you know, or like <laughs> a burlap sack race, <laughs> right. you know? So we do do some, we do, I mean, God, we might be like, we, people in, in recovery have decided we are like, we are like little kids inside that are super competitive and it gets pretty funny. Um, so we do like, we do do incentives when people in person, because we want to, we usually we'll do gift bags for the homecoming. We'll do gift bags for our in-person spiritual retreats. So every time they come, there's always something that we are gifting and it's just to show appreciation. Yeah. It's funny that you say that, that competition element's definitely in there, isn't it? Right. I see that constantly, oh my God. whether it's a marathon I'm going to run or winning the sack race, right? <laughs> we got to be winning something. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, so we covered a whole bunch of stuff here. Really appreciate all the information. I mean, super valuable. And obviously, you know, the passion for your job just shines through. Is there anything else that you look at or that you think is worth mentioning for other programs that are either trying to start a new alumni program or improve the one that they currently have? You know, I think, I think the biggest thing, again, that we, we already had talked about it, but that a lot of people don't put a, put a ton of attention to if you're building an alumni program or trying to figure it out is honestly that, that, Staff engagement, Nick, is really getting people on board to support you. And to because again, when you get staff engagement, there's staff that are that are that are probably in recovery too, that would love to volunteer or they have gifts that they would love to bring to alumni programming. And what a gift for us to be able to say, hey, we wanna, we wanna open these doors for you to help me with this programming. You know, staff engagement is, I can't stress enough the importance of getting your team completely bought into how important this is. And the next thing I'll say too, is just, if you're building a new alumni program, you know, that eight letter word that we all really hate in sobriety, um, it's called patience. <laughs> a lot of us don't like that, but we have to understand that things take time to cultivate. And so grant yourself some grace in the process and don't create the ideas yourself. Ask your alumni what they want to see happen because it's about them. It's not about you. Is that TPAS organization, is that just open to anyone that works in the alumni space? Yeah, anybody. So I will say, but a lot of times, like, you know, people like a lot of people are like, why do I want my, like, why do I want to like pay for this membership? I'm like, dude, the value in it is insane. So yes, if you are starting an alumni program, besides the two things I said, you got to join TPAS. Like you want that community too. And that support, it'll make your life so easy. And then do you guys do anything around family at all? Do you ever get connected to alumni's family and involve them in the alumni programming? We do. So we, we post in the hub when we do events, if they are open to however they identify loved ones um, or if it's just for alumni only, but we definitely do our alumni picnic, for instance, and our alumni homecoming. It's always open to alumni and family, but then other things we keep sacred to alumni. Okay. And then do you guys do any specific outreach to them or is it more just of an open invite to come to some events? Um, it's just an open invite. We do not. That is a separate entity that is not my responsibility. Got it. Okay. And then okay, last question is just, you know, looking at a week, I'm sure it's highly variable, but you know, where would you say you, you spend your time in an average week? I would say... A lot of it is on the hub, for instance, you know, a lot of it's on the hub. A lot of it is um, on with TPAS in the Basecamp portal of TPAS. 
just seeing what other people are posting about events or what they're doing at their organizations. And then a lot of it also is touching base with sober living in our area, just seeing, you know, like, are there new ones? Are, are the ones that are still around? Like, do they have empty beds? You know, is there any other new sober activities that are popping up that I need to go research and check out? So I'm always like doing research, Nick, like, and so is the team, like what is out there that I'm not seeing that's of value to our alumni? You know, are the sober living still awesome or is there some shady things happening that we don't want to use anymore? Uh, communicating with other alumni coordinators to say, hey, like what is going on in your area? Is there anything I need to be aware of? So it's really a lot of just connecting with alumni and then also not only on the hub, but if some of them want to meet for coffee, well, I'll take them out to coffee just to check in to say, hey, how's it going? Um, that personal connection is huge. But then again, it is just research to make sure I'm continuing to build our recovery capital so we can serve our alumni. So are you providing like a resource hub, say, you know, find out a bunch of different sober activities in the area? Is that available to alumni somewhere or is that more, you know, just you having that information in case someone asks? It's we, we post it on the hub. So everything that we find out that's happening, and that's why TPAS is so important, especially TPAS Colorado. There's over 13 organizations that are part of TPAS Colorado. We strategically plan events that are open to other alumni programs to take the weight off of our shoulders. So usually every every other week or at least once a month, there's an open event that either we will put on, Red Rock will put on, um, Aspen Ridge that's open to all of our alumni so that they get to know other people in recovery. Mm, okay. All right. Well, I really appreciate you taking the time to come on. Super helpful information all around. If people wanted to get in touch with you or Harmony, what would be the best way to do that? I would say they can go ahead and get in touch with me. We'll give my my personal email just because, again, I get flooded with emails with Harmony. Um, it's just my name, Michael Mazel, M-A-A-S-S-E-L at gmail.com. Uh, and then you can also always find me on social media, Michael Mazel shoot me a DM on uh, social media. All right. Well, thanks so much. I really appreciate the time for all our listeners out there. This is the Recovery Executive Podcast. I'm your host, Nick Jaworski, and we'll see you next time.